0: Good evening. evening. It's good to see you all this evening. Let's pray. Father, we do come before you in the name of the Lord Jesus, and we thank you again for the opportunity to come into your house midweek to receive encouragement, to receive strength. We ask, Father, that you would bless the time that we have together, that we would walk away feeling empowered and encouraged and full of the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. You are a good God. We fear you. We love you serve you, Lord Jesus. Bless this time that we have together, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated tonight. Kind of just found out that I would be doing this this evening. It's so good that you knew that as well and you still showed up tonight. Thank you for that. That's great. Um, I kind of feel like... Um, I love the end times, and I have a lot of information um, that I've uh, taught over the years, but I feel like God um, has laid this study specifically on our pastor's heart, and I'm going to let him continue with it. So tonight is going to be a little hiatus, and he will be back. He is feeling ill. He's been running a fever. Um, Ruth is barely or kind of getting over things as well, so they are both sick at their home. Um, There are some prayer requests that I want to make you aware of right now, so when you see these names that are going to be on the screen towards the end after I get done sharing some things tonight, um, you will see the names on the screen all together. We're going to pray at the end just a couple of songs, and they're all going to be on the screen together. Um, Kathy Musgrave is in the hospital, so we need to pray for her. Enzo Rosser is a two-month-old baby, Um, also lots of tests being ran on little Enzo. Um, Taylor Grace is an eight-year-old that was in a car accident and sustained a brain injury. Uh, I'm not sure who of you know some of these. I'm aware of some of them, Um, but we just want to remember them. When you see the names, we'll remind you again at the end. Uh, Number four, Kathy Sorensen. She actually has surgery tomorrow, so we can pray for her. And uh, Dixie Tom, again, her mom, her mother just suffered a severe stroke today. So please keep her in prayer. And then lastly, uh, and obviously, Pastor Joe and Ruth, who are unable to be here tonight due to sickness. Awesome. Well, I want to talk tonight... Very briefly, I didn't know that I was going to be able to preach a midweek service, just found out less than 24 hours ago, and I've been working really almost the whole time. So I heard a message, Teresa posted it to the Facebook page of New Hope maybe five months ago, and I thought since a group was going to be here tonight, maybe you thought you were coming to hear end times, um, you're going to hear a little bit about prayer tonight, but it's one of the most encouraging messages that I've ever heard, and it really resonated with myself and Teresa, and I think maybe I saw that Carolyn Ross maybe had listened to it, and maybe a couple of you have, but I want to do my best with very short notice to attempt to convey this message to you. Um, it's, it's by a guy, I cannot take credit for it, by a guy by the name of Tim Delena, maybe, and it's called Bad News, Good News. Now you know, right? So, I want to share this tonight because it is a prayer night. Did anybody actually listen to this message? If you remember, I don't know, three of you. Okay, so, we're moving forward with this. And we are going to pray a little bit at the end. And I think having hear this tonight, you're going to be so encouraged with how you approach prayer. I was, and it kind of changed everything when I heard this. Like, I don't have to be eloquent I don't have to go into the prayer closet or wherever I'm praying and have to know everything that I need to say, exactly how I need to say it. So I hope that you walk away tonight encouraged with how you can approach prayer. And being that it is a Wednesday night, being that it is a prayer service, and this is what we will typically do on a Wednesday night is pray, I'm hoping that as pastor stirs in our hearts, the urgency and the end times that are uh, quickly approaching, that there's an urgency placed in our hearts to come together and pray more as well. Because the Bible does say, to forsake not thyselves the assembly of of you gathered together, but come together even more as you see the day approaching. And that's what this whole study is about. So, tonight's message is good news, bad news. Hopefully this will be about 20-25 minutes and then we'll pray for a little bit. So have you ever um, heard somebody say or come up to you and say, I have good news and I have bad news. Which, Which would you like to hear first? And if you're anything like me and I agree with the guy that was talking, I like to hear the bad news first so I can walk away on a good note. Get the bad news over with. So... Tonight, I'm going to do that because I do have good news and I have bad news. And has anybody ever felt unfit to pray? Just interact tonight. I have. Have you ever felt unworthy to pray? Have you ever felt when called upon uneducated to pray? Like you don't have the words and it might not be that eloquent and you're not, you're kind of searching with, I said these words last time, so I got to mix it up this time. Right? So... The question tonight is, have we felt that way before? Certainly. Everybody, I think, has. And, and I think of, and I'm not going to name names. I actually have names in my notes, but I'm not going to do that tonight. Because I think of examples of people in our own church that pray really well. And I think of people that, honestly, there's a couple of people that, like even when they pray for the offering, it's like, powerful, And anointed and wow. And there's some people that I think on Wednesday nights, when they take the mic and they pray for someone, it's anointed and it's powerful and it's heartfelt, it's genuine, it's sincere. But in a lot of cases, those might be the only times I have an opportunity to hear the impact of those specific people praying because they're not one of the people that are called upon to pray, to open up a service, to close a service, to pray for offering, whatever the case may be. So you might need to come to a Wednesday night service to, to experience other people praying. And I think of um, people that um, pray for people at the altar down here. There's certain people in the church that when they pray for people at the altar, it's kind of different. Like that might be some of their gift, just helping and praying for people at the altar. And we have great people in this church that pray for people at the altar. I think of certain people in the church that honestly that they pray with the passion of a hundred people. I think of the fiery fervor that comes from pastor when he prays. And the response that he gets in the community when he leads a um, national day of prayer. Or an event that he leads. And like man you, you have so much passion. So much fervor. And it sets him apart from other people. So you think about these things, and I think about prayer. And I heard this example about Charles Spurgeon, who was a great evangelist and was an anointed man of God in his time, hundreds or a couple of hundred years ago in the 19 and 1800s, walking around London in the 19th century, the 1800s. And in this specific example, he was looking for a building for his ministry, and he came across an agent... Uh, that was showing the property, and he offered half of what they were asking. Sounds like something I would do. And he offered half of what they were asking, but the offer was rejected because the client um, asked the agent if there was any interest or if it has been shown or anything like that. And the, the client was actually told that it was Spurgeon. He said, what do you mean, the Charles Spurgeon wanted to buy this property? But they only offered him half of what he was asking. And the guy says, well, you better call him and take the offer because the way that that guy prays, he'll probably get it for free. So people were fearing the way that this guy would approach, like Hebrew says, the throne of grace with boldness, obtaining help and finding mercy in a time of need. So I'm wondering, if, I'm wondering myself if I have that much favor, if I have that much clout with the Lord. So anyone else in this room sometimes worried that you can't pray right? I am. That maybe you don't have the right words or maybe for the offering even. A simple prayer. Please pray for the offering and then we get distracted we pray for everything else. Maybe we're nervous. Just a simple prayer for the offering. Maybe prayer for someone that is struggling, someone that is sick, somebody that is in the hospital, somebody that has cancer. Personally, I have been asked to pray for broken bones, blind eyes, ending marriages, battling over the custody of children, drug addictions, abuse, bankrupted finances, somebody needing a job. And even on Sunday mornings, I remember just recently here, asked to pray specifically for somebody that has a hurt foot or a broken ankle or someone that had a heart attack two days ago. And little old me is expected to step in and pray for those things. I don't have the words. I don't want to offend them. I want to have faith. But what if it's not God's will? That's kind of a cop-out we use to cover our backside, right? God, do this. But if it's not your will, and we want to cover ourselves. So if they get mad and the prayer doesn't get answered, they don't come to us. So you look at all these situations. And sometimes I don't have the words. And can I just be honest with you, and I hope this resonates with humanity tonight, with our human attempt and frailty and our efforts sometimes. I've fallen asleep in prayer. Anyone else? Come on. I have slept when attempting to go pray. Fallen asleep, snoring dreams. Let's be real. And sometimes when we try to give God like maybe 20 minutes, 30 minutes, a five-minute quiet time in the morning before work, you're racing trying to drink coffee and eat a little bar on the way to work and put something on the radio and say, that was my quality time with God. We do this. We're all guilty of this. Maybe you try to give 60 minutes in prayer and we drag it out. We say a few praise the Lord's and I'm telling you I've done this. And I know God interprets prayer in tongues, but sometimes I'm just in tongues and I don't know what else to say. And you may be praying in tongues for 20 minutes. And God can, that that's interpreted. And God knows your heart. He knows the deepest groanings. He knows those things. But sometimes what are our motives in those things? You know, when we say, if you praise the Lord's and we look at our watch, we're trying to tarry for 30, 40 minutes in prayer and it's been three minutes. And we're like, man, I don't know how, sometimes prayer becomes drudgery. Attempting to do these things in our own strength. You know, and sometimes we'll, we'll hold out certain phrases longer. Hallelujah. Maybe that'll take some time. Hallelujah. And then you look down, you still have 55 minutes left. We do these things. I want to give you an encouraging message tonight. Not being able to keep focus in prayer. How many of you use a Bible app? You use your phone, you, you look up scriptures that way. Maybe you look up prayer requests on a social media site on maybe the, faith, the New Hope page. Then all of a sudden you're distracted, you're wondering, you're praying for someone, and you're like, well, I wonder how they're doing. Then you check out their Instagram and their profile, and before you know it, you're just out of it. And you're spending time in the prayer closet physically, but it's kind of not been too much of a quality time. And you might say, oh, I'm just resting in your presence, Lord. I'm just here today and I'm resting. I'm laying here today, Lord. I'm being still in your presence today. And then before you know it, you fall asleep and you take an hour power nap. And you wake up and you're like, man, the presence of God is so refreshing. Because you just slept for an hour and you feel great. We can all relate to this. We can all relate to this. See, here is, I have two scriptures for you tonight and I want to... Refer to one more. So Romans 8.26, and that's going to be on the screen. Here's the bad news. The bad news for tonight, it says in Romans 8.26, this is very encouraging. It says, In the same way the Spirit also helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we should pray for. You see the second part of that verse. But the first part says, we do not know what what we should pray for. We don't know how to pray. So see, even, you understand it, Paul himself said this. And he's arguably the greatest Christian that ever walked the planet. And he is saying, I don't know how to pray. We do not know what we should pray for. Paul is saying that. You think you can pray better than Paul? Do you think that maybe God is giving you the ministry of intercessory? You don't know what to pray for either. Because the scripture says it. And we have to align ourselves with that. This is such such an encouraging word because again, I'm so thankful that it's not within my strength. Because I can't do it. I'll hold out words. I'll nap. I'll say, I'm going to give you 30 minutes. Even when they said, disciples, you couldn't wait for an hour, God, Jesus knew they couldn't wait for an hour. He was telling them that. Not that he expected them to pray for an hour and then go back and judge them and say, can you not even wait and pray for an hour? He, he's God. He knew that they couldn't tarry for an hour in prayer. See, so he was asking them to do something that outside of their own strength was impossible. Outside of the Lord's strength was impossible. So being a youth pastor, I go, I've been on mission trips. I've been um, in situations where I've been praying for people. Mission trips, main services, prayer meetings, not having a clue what to pray, how to pray. And like I said earlier, saying like, if it's your will, thy will be done. Those types of things. So we have like a cop out, like, so if the prayer isn't answered, we're covered. That wasn't my fault. I didn't know what God's will was. The good news This is great news. Ephesians 3.20, which is a very quoted scripture. If I can kind of break it down for you, Ephesians 3.20 says this. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. To him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond what we ask or think. This is encouraging. That means a groan, a moan, a sound effect, or a word, or a mumbled phrase has meaning and is carried to the throne of God. See, the Spirit in us, according to this, it's the Spirit inside of us. We don't have to know what to pray, we don't have to know how to pray, we don't have to be eloquent in our speech. We don't have to speak, O King James, thee, thus thou, O God, therefore, to such as Father. We don't have to have all those things. See, Paul is saying something. Anything, any words will do. And he takes it, the Lord himself, and interprets the cry of your heart. So that's why these nights are so important. See, God will get it right for us. And if we don't know what to pray, we might say, well, then nothing can happen. But that couldn't be further from the truth. That's not true. See, He, in Ephesians 3.20, goes beyond what we can ask, beyond our requisition. I could say something like, help. And see, God will interpret that for me. He knows exactly what that means in my spirit. He goes far beyond, Ephesians 3.20 says. See, this is great news for the Christian who might fight going and resist going into the prayer closet. Or maybe showing up to a prayer service. This is great news for some of you that have someone that you love that is sick or has cancer or their marriage is in trouble. This is great news because you might not know what to pray. This is great news for somebody who has a teenager that is struggling with their identity. And you might not have the words to pray. God takes it further than we could ever articulate it. It's a good thing for somebody that is depressed. I'm not sure how to pray for maybe someone that's depressed and people at the altar, you have to know how to pray for everyone. But when we lean on the Lord's strength, God interprets what we are even saying. And that goes to the throne room of heaven and it's interpreted and God moves on behalf of those attempted prayers. This is a beautiful piece of news tonight. Because I've been tired in prayer. I've been tired of going to prayer. I've been tired of trying to make myself pray. Anyone else? Never measuring up, never good enough, can't maintain a relationship. I don't pray seven days a week, then it dwindled down to three, and now you haven't prayed for months. And God says, there's nothing that you have done that I can't forgive. And it gives us an opportunity to hop right back in the closet and pray and attempt and make an effort. This is great news. See, this is why Satan trembles when he sees the weakest saint On their knees. Because they showed up. They might not have the words right. They might not know exactly what to say. But they showed up. And Satan even knows that the Holy Spirit will interpret the prayers of the saints. And make them into what he knows they are. That's why Satan is afraid of you. When you just make a decision to show up on Wednesday nights. You might be sitting in a pew attempting to do something. Or even meditate and have some thoughts. But you showed up. And you might mumble a few words, but see, God knows your heart, and He can interpret those things and those moans and those woes, is, woe is me." He interprets those things. and He can take them further than we could ever go in our own strength. So the only way that we can possibly fail in prayer is to not show up to pray, whether it's alone, at home, whether it's at church wherever it may be, a prayer meeting or a Bible study you attend. See, we don't know how to pray, but God knows how to push those prayers beyond our asking and interpret even our bad prayers. And just kind of a funny example of this is you have Elijah, who just was celebrating an unbelievable victory when he... Um, when fire was called down from heaven and the 400 prophets of Baal were cutting themselves out of frustration and confusion because their small g non-existent God wouldn't answer them to consume the stones and the, the water and the wood. And Elijah was making fun of them almost saying, where's your God at? Is he asleep? Is he busy? Is he on a break? Is he on vacation? And he immediately called down the God of the universe, and God sent down fire, consumed the bricks, the stones, the altar, all the water, buckets after buckets, and was proven that day. So Elijah should have been riding high on this victory, but yet he goes out to the desert, and he finds a juniper tree, and he's depressed, which happens a lot after our spiritual highs. Like, everything's great, and God is good, and he answered my prayer, and before you know it, weeks or months later, you're like, what happened to my faithfulness? What happened to my fire and my fervency? So Elijah is experiencing this, See, he goes out to the desert, ready to die. He's being chased by an evil woman named Jezebel. You remember the story. He goes to the desert. He he gets under a juniper tree, and he basically asks God to kill him. Take me now. Kill me now. Has that ever been so bad that you've prayed that prayer? Just take me now, Lord. See, but it's a good thing that God doesn't answer all the prayers the way we say them and, and speak them. Because this is what happens. See, instead of an angel or instead of God granting that prayer request of just killing Elijah dead, God actually sends an angel, and and, and in this circumstance, he bakes Elijah a cake on hot stones and gives him a jar of water. So that's a little bit different than what Elijah was asking for. Kill me now, God! And instead, God says, "He, he doesn't mean kill, he means cake. Right? So see, God knows the deepest part of our hearts. So instead of granting that request, Elijah says, kill me. But the good news is, is the Holy Spirit says, he didn't mean kill, he meant cake. See, he, he's, he's, he's just waiting to die there, but God says, well, let's make him a cake. That's what he meant. Nutrition, to sustain him and to get up and to keep moving forward in the things of God. See, thank God he doesn't answer all of our prayers. He hits backspit. We... He hits backspace, he edits, he gets the formatting palette out, out on Word, if you will. And he interprets those prayers. The only way that we can fail in prayer is to not show up. This is powerful. Because it takes away all the pressure. Misa, I gotta get five minutes in today, I gotta, you know, it's part of routine. I feel like if I don't, God's gonna hit me over the head with a hammer and I'm a failure and I can't do it, I can't do it, I can't do it. The pressure's off. All you have to do is show up. It's beautiful. And God will interpret those moans and those cries. And and maybe you praying in the spirit and not knowing what to pray. And I don't know what this person needs, but God, help them. And he takes that and he knows exactly what to do in their situation. This should should be so encouraging. So moving on, you might say, "I, I can't pray for the offering. I can't close in prayer. I can't come on Saturday nights when pastor puts an invite out on the Facebook page. I don't know how to pray. I don't know what to pray. Right. But he does. And showing up on a Wednesday night and and maybe just laying prostrate before God and just being here. There's just something about being in the presence of God with brothers and sisters. Trying to say a few things and God knows your heart. We can't fail in prayer unless we don't show up. See, someone might say, I hate you, God. But maybe they just don't understand right now. They're just a little bit frustrated is the real cry of their heart. I need more money. And the Holy Spirit says, no, no, they just need to be obedient in tithes and offerings and a good steward and generous with what they have. See, the Holy Spirit interprets our prayer and and takes that to God Himself, the throne room of heaven, where where prayers are stored. A bowl, it says. Saints of the prayers of what we say. It's powerful. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know where I'm going to go. Life just wore me out. And the real interpretation could be that they feel like nothing's going their way right now. They're on a merry-go-round. Nothing's changing. Everything's the same. Nothing's happening in their favor, but the answer is on the way. My, you might say in prayer, I just wish they would die. said say, no, 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 that's not what they mean. They've just been hurt, and they need to learn how to forgive and how to love them. You may say something very, very practical like going down Maple Avenue. Stupid traffic, God! Something very practical. My kids! These students! And really, the Holy Spirit will say, no, no, no. They just mean, thank you, Lord, for teaching me patience. See, we don't pray right a lot, do we? But see, it's a good thing that God says, "I'm going to go above and beyond all that you ask or think, and I'm going to make it exactly what your heart cry is and what it is that needs answer." It's beautiful. I'm done with this marriage. Holy Spirit says, no, "No, no, no, that's not what they mean. They just mean, teach me how to love my wife as life as wife as Christ loved the church." Can't take this anymore. They just mean they need strength for today. See, it's not about who is praying. It's who we're praying to. So I heard this and I thought, man, this is so encouraging to me. Somebody who is in the public eye. Somebody who is a principal and a youth pastor. And I'm always being looked at to have answers and to have the prayers. And I never mess up. That's not true. And i got to have everything together. But the encouraging part is is that I just need to be honest with the Lord. And I need to show up. And God will interpret those things and make them exactly as He wants them to be. He'll take simple prayers, and He adds power, and He adds meaning to them. See, even a simple prayer of protection. God goes above and beyond those things. In a simple prayer of protection. In a simple prayer for your food every night. When you think no one's looking, we can skip a prayer for our food. But see, God takes that thank thank you for the meat and the vegetables and the sustainability. Amen. God said, No, 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 no. That's not what they mean. They paused and they want to say that you've provided them everything they have. Their job, their roof, their meals, their family, everything comes from you. See, we don't have the capacity to handle this type of thing, see, but the Holy Spirit does. The pressure is completely off me. And see, God says, and I want to go through this because this is encouraging. God says, my hand is on it and my hand is in it. It all depends on whose hands it's in. To make this very applicable, see, a basketball in my hand is worth about 19 bucks. But a basketball in LeBron's hand is worth about 75 million dollars. It all depends on whose hands it's in. A baseball in my hand is worth about eight bucks. But a baseball in Jeter's hand is worth about 19 million dollars. It all depends on whose hands it's in. A tennis racket in my hand is useless. I'm telling you this from my standpoint. See, but in Serena or Roger Federer's hand, I believe they just... Won a Grand Slam again, and they're getting up there in age, right? For the tennis years. But see, in their hand, it's a Wimbledon, it's a French Open championship. But in mine, useless. See, a rod in my hand is maybe able to keep away a dog on a neighborhood walk, maybe that my wife will take, or maybe practicing striking um, Bob, Jason, in my basement for martial arts purposes. But see, in a bow staff in the hand of Moses, will part a Red Sea. It all depends on whose hands it's in. Are you getting anything from tonight? See, a slingshot in my hand is a kid's toy. But in David's hand, it's a mighty weapon. Two fish and five loaves in my hand is just two fish sandwiches. But two fish and five loaves in the hands of Jesus can feed thousands of people. It all depends on whose hands it's in. You place your petitions and your requests... In the hands of God Himself. Because it all depends on whose hands it's in. Because a nail in my hand may be produced a backyard deck for my wife and I and family and friends. But a nail in the hands of Jesus produces salvation for the entire planet. It all depends on whose hands it's in. Are you with me tonight? This is encouraging to me. See, I don't know how to pray, but He does. God, take my broken prayers. Take my broken hallelujahs. Interpret them for your glory and your kingdom. He will. The only way that we can fail in prayer is by not showing up. And I hope that through this end time study, it places an urgency on your heart to trust God with your needs. You're going to want family members that don't know the Lord saved when all of this happens. This is an important moment for you. For all of us. Let's dim the lights, if we will. Just have a couple of songs. My prayer tonight is, I need you in my life. See... Not just church on Sunday, God, but every day. See, religion asks me for one day a week, but God asks me for every day. Every day. Can we pray tonight for two songs? We're going to put, there's about six needs on the screen. You might not know exactly how to pray for them, But God will take your prayers and He will interpret them for exactly what He wants to accomplish in those situations. Is that easy or what? See, so going to our prayer closets and spending time with the Lord who saved my soul and redeemed me, the one I worship, who exhales stars, why do I dread those? Why do I dread that? This is powerful and it takes the pressure off of every human to say all I have to do is show up. I might be mumbling there might be worship music on I might be moaning, I might be groaning, I might be crying I may be speaking in the spirit but God interprets those. By faith and your confidence in Him we're just trusting that that's what He does. And the only way we fail in prayer is not to show up. All we gotta do is show up. People that change the world have to show up. It starts with Showing up. If you don't show up, you don't have any impact. You don't have any say, right? That's what we do in the real world, right? How do you have an opinion? You weren't even there, right? All I have to do, God, is show up and move my lips and try to put together a phrase or a sentence, and you interpret that for your glory and do exactly what you want to do. This takes all pressure off my faith. Hallelujah. Let's play those two songs. Let's come to the altar, listen, feel free to stay in your seat, put your head in your hands, come up and walk, lay down, pace, whatever you would like to do, but you're here, you showed up, so let's, let's attempt to pray for these things on the screen. These are situations that need the intercession of the saints of Almighty God. Let's come and pray for 10 minutes.